Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Friday. We're towards the weekend. Hope people are enjoying their Friday, getting ready for Super Bowl weekend. There's a lot to look forward to. Commercials, television spots that we might be getting for some potential movies down the line or television shows. So I'm going to be kind of previewing that a little later on, but hopefully everyone's getting ready for that. Some things that I want to talk about from the world of Hollywood. It's not going to be as long of a show as the last two days with the Golden Globes and the SAG nominations. And once again, I do want to thank Jason Abdow for coming on and talking about all this, about that with us. We'll have him back on for the Golden Globe weekend when the award show is set to kick off on the last weekend of February. But today is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. I want to be talking about some remarks Tom Holland gave talking about Spider-Man 3. Chloe Zhao is set to direct a monster film set within the MonsterVerse that was established in The Invisible Man. And of course, I'm going to be doing my WandaVision non-spoiler review. But the first thing that I do need to kick things off with, unfortunately, is the news of the unfortunate passing of another legend icon in the acting realm of Hollywood. And unfortunately, Christopher Plummer tragically passed away at the age of 91 this morning. It was announced by his family that he passed away peacefully, surrounded by family members. Again, he was 91 years old, and he just had an incredible career spanning 75 years, starting in the 50s. And continuing really today. He has a film that's set to come out later this year. I believe it was a a voiceover role, but he's been doing things since really 2019 when he, he was in the incredible ensemble of Knives Out. And he just kept working and working and it just seemed like he was never going to stop. And I said it in my tweet, but it it didn't seem like he was 91 years old. It seemed like he was in his 80s at least. And just the way that he was continuing to go, he just looked alive and and healthy and just no signs of slowing down whatsoever. So this one, I think, came to a shock for a whole lot of people. But he'll always be remembered for just his absolutely legendary career. When you look at just the the awards resume on his list, he's a three-time Oscar nominee, really in one whole decade. He, he was nominated in 2012, winning the Best Supporting Actor Award for Beginners. He was also nominated in 2018, 2017 for All the Money, playing Getty, replacing Kevin Spacey when the whole scandal around him, the, the, the sex scandal was going on, and they had to reshoot everything with his scenes, and Christopher Plummer took over that role. He was nominated in that as well. He was also a four-time Golden Globe nominee, winning one for beginners as well seven time emmy nominee winning twice and a two-time tony award winner so he was just all over the place and when you look at again his awards resume it was really within the last two decades that he was being recognized but he's been in a boatload of films prior to that really i think noticeably being recognized for the sound of music and starring alongside julia andrews and of course he was in beginners which again earned him his only oscar not uh, oscar win he was in a beautiful mind as well, playing the doctor to, to Russell Crowe's character. So he was just one of those incredible actors that whatever film he was in, he always stood out. He always added another layer to it that maybe you wouldn't expect or you didn't think you needed. And he was always kind of that nuanced 
actor. He was always somebody that really brought a, a presence to it. He was always somebody that brought knowledge and wisdom to every role that he was uh, a part of. And I think he'll he'll be missed for forever. And, and of course, the, the career that he had on stage, in television, he was such a versatile actor. And that really is an indication of, of being one of the greats when you're nominated and winning across every single body of work from television to, to the stage to film. It's just absolutely incredible. And again, it was a real gut punch to hear about his passing away, especially at this particular time. You know, whenever I, I do these kind of eulogies for any kind of icon that passes away, it's usually on Mondays and usually hear about this stuff on the weekend. So to kind of kick off the weekend with this sad, unfortunate news, it, it's tragic. But again, when, when you look at the... I guess the bright side of this or, or the side of it where, you know, Christopher Plummer led a, a full life. He's somebody who, again, you look at his resume, it's one of the best in Hollywood that you could really look at and see. This guy had a full, well-rounded career that actors always dream of having in their field. So I think he's somebody that people will look up to. He's somebody that had a full career, again, 75 years in the industry, just remarkable. And he will always be missed. And it's going to be weird not seeing him in any films because again it's not like he were always retired from acting you see that from actors who age on sometimes but for Christopher Plummer he was always acting he was always a standout in everything that he was in even in something like Knives Out he was a very limited supporting character but his presence loomed very large throughout the entire film whenever he was off screen so he was just an absolutely incredible actor and he will be missed and my heart goes out to the family and friends of Christopher Plummer again passing away at the age of 91. Now I want to move on to, to, to some happy news that's going on around Hollywood right now that, that I want to kind of end the note on and continue with. And of course, with every single episode that I do on Fridays, I do the non-spoiler review for the latest episode of WandaVision. And again, this is going to be a non-spoiler review. No spoilers will be given. That'll be on Monday. Again, I usually like to give the uh, anyone who listens to, to me talk about WandaVision, I like to give them the, the weekend to watch the episode as many times as they want, dissect it, enjoy it, and then talk about it in full to start off the week. So today will be the official non-spoiler review for episode five of WandaVision. And kind of like last week, it's going to be hard for me not to talk about this episode without giving any spoilers away because now I I think we're really starting to get into the the thick of this show and unlike the first few episodes where they were very more sitcom based and you can kind of go more in depth about the sitcom aspects and and there wasn't really a whole lot of plot you were getting some of the mystery but nothing that really is so spoiler heavy this episode and last week's are, are very spoiler heavy and dependent on really going into detail so again i'm not going to be going into spoilers today but it's going to be a very vague review of this episode of wandavision but but I have to say, and I was debating last week when doing this non-spoiler review for WandaVision, if I enjoyed episode four or episode one the most. And by Monday of the spoiler review for episode four on Monday, I came to the conclusion that episode four was the best episode I've seen so far. And I think this is going to be a recurring theme that's going to happen, hopefully, for the next few weeks. But I just think episode five has been the standout so far and has just done an absolutely incredible job of really, I think, starting to showcase what we can get with the show moving forward and establishing a baseline for the remainder of this show. And again, I'm not going to go into specifics about the entirety 
of this episode, but I will say when we we do get back into the sitcom aspect of the show, because again, we were supposed to pay homage from the 50s to the present day. So we still, by the time of this episode, had three more decades to get through. And this time we're in the 80s. And like what they did with the 70s, 60s, and 50s, they do a great job of just really kind of paying a great homage to the, the family sitcoms of the 80s, where you when you talk about shows such as Family Ties or Roseanne, it was very just about this normal, middle-class, average American family that's just trying to get through everyday life. And obviously, this is kind of has its own spin on it, and it adds a little bit more to it than just being an average, ordinary family. But I think when it comes to the aspects of this 80s sitcom, they do a great job. It gives a lot of family tie vibes off, and just 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 the the setting of it, the camera work. They they just do a great job of it. Of I think honing in on all these sitcom aspects so well, and and do it with such great detail that, like they said in the press junkets, that they're not trying to do a ripoff of these sitcoms. They really are trying to be as authentic as possible, and it continues with this '80s vibe. And going to the performances. Again, continuing from really the last few episodes, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany continue to shine in these roles. And honestly, I said it in my social media posts if you check them out for my episode five review, but I think this is the best acting we have seen for Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen in these two roles, Wanda and Vision. Obviously, we knew we were gonna get more in depth with these characters because of the title, Wanda Vision, where it's going to be about these two characters. But the way that they're just giving these to all these additional layers, I think is exactly what we wanted to see when going into these Disney Plus shows of expanding these supporting characters like Loki a little bit more, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or someone like uh, an Armor Wars with, with War Machine. We want to just kind of showcase these supporting characters that were kind of, again, put to the side to focus on a Captain America Thor or an Iron Man. We kind of get to, or more of the original Avengers, we get more of seeing the, the aspects of these people's lives and just really kind of seeing more layers that we didn't get to see in some of the movies. And Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, they were already amazing actors to begin with, and you can really see why they were all, always casted in these roles, and they just give it their all. And especially when it when you combine what they do with the mystery aspect and the actual reality aspect of this show, and how they kind of have to flip on these different switches, and every single episode they're switching up the decades, and every decade has a different mannerism, a, a different character, a different look, a different way you talk and walk. They just do an incredible job of embodying that and make it seem as fluent as possible, like it's easy for anybody to do when I'm sure, like they said, they went to sitcom boot camp. They really kind of studied and and dissected the these characters for many, many months when it came to uh, watching Family Ties episodes or Dick Van Dyke or Bewitched to make sure that they did their own take on it while also paying homage to these sitcoms. So I just think they are knocking it out of the park. Catherine Hahn is doing an incredible job as well, and so is the rest of the supporting cast. But it's led by these two actors, and they are carrying the load with this television show so incredibly well. And I can't wait to see what else they do with it. And of course, like I was saying last week, as vaguely as I possibly can, Marvel really is is swinging the fences with this show. And, and it, it really appears to be that way when you watch this episode. They take some big swings that 
hopefully will pay off in the next few weeks going forward. But I just think they they continue to drop your jaw literally every single moment you watch this show. And they just really are taking a whole bunch of risks that you want to see with these Disney Plus shows that presented them the opportunity to do with them is to open up these new storytelling ideas, these characters, these opportunities. And again, WandaVision wasn't supposed to be the first thing we got out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the fact that it is because of the pandemic and we're starting off the the new era of the MCU in this kind of crazy, kooky kind of way, I I think is a big benefit to it. I think a lot of people are gravitating towards it. And then the fact that we kind of get this weekly episode release, everyone's theorizing about this show. People want to know what's going to happen next or are formulating their own answers to a lot of these mysteries that are happening or gravitating towards the performers. So I think that for their first foray into Disney Plus, I think is, is exciting. And the fact that it's this different, unique show that they haven't done in any of their movies, I think is a slam dunk for them so far. And I'm really excited to see what they do in the back half of season two or season one, really of this show because we're now into the second half of it. We only have four more episodes left. This is kind of the halfway mark of the show and it really does deliver on just leaving you on the edge of your seat wanting more. And I know we all kind of love the binge watching mentality and the 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 routine that something like an Amazon or a Hulu sometimes does and especially a Netflix which introduced it with House of Cards and shows like Orange is the New Black. But again, the weekly format that you have shows like Game of Thrones that became cultural icons because of being released every single week and people formulating their own theories, wanting to question what's going on, talk about the episode, marinate in it for seven days and then coming back to it for another round, I think is working to Disney Plus's effectiveness. You saw it with The Mandalorian, but I think it's going to take a whole nother level with WandaVision and you're seeing it happen. And I think for people, again, that were on the fence after the first few episodes, this I always expected for this to happen, but once you get more into this show, I think you're going to really, really like love this show from beginning to end. And I think when you look back on those first three episodes, I think they're going to have a lot more meaning when we get to the end game, which is anybody's guess of, of what's really going to happen. You, you start formulating these theories and then you watch an episode like this weekend, you start to question those theories that you had and you start to pivot to to other questions and, and, and other allegiances that you might have in this show. So the, the writing in this is so well done. And also I want to give a huge shout out to the director of this episode and he directed every single episode so far and that's to come with Matt Shackman. And what he does in this episode I think really kind of en- encompasses kind of the feat that he had as a director with everything from the sitcom to the to the actual cinematic feeling of this television show. It all works so well in this episode, on this show so far. And again, I'm really excited to see what happens. Jack Schaefer, who in interviews in the last week or so has said that she was worried of people kind of being on board after the first three episodes, being uh, taking big swings, big risks. And I think really in the end and right now, it's paying off really well. And I think right now, WandaVision, kind of like what I said about Mandalorian, I think they're starting to hit their stride and they're going to kind of be on an even pace line right now for the rest of the, the season and the series right now until we get to the beginning 
of March for the finale. So I love this episode. I thought it was the best so far. Again, I could be saying that often in the next few weeks as we get more episodes. Just so bear that in mind because, again, I have no idea what's to come for the next four. So maybe by the time episode nine comes out, the finale is the best episode. and Or maybe by the time it all comes out, this will still remain my favorite episode. Or episode four might be that. Or episode one or episode eight or seven. So again, it's just, it's it, everything's building off of something. And episode three built off of episode four. And episode four is building off of episode five. And I'm expecting and hoping that episode five is able to build off episode six and so on and so forth. So again, a great episode of WandaVision. I can't wait for everybody to see it. I'll get more in depth about it on Monday. I, I think that again, this is as vague as I possibly can get because I want everyone to watch this. This is the magic of, of fandom. This is the magic of what Marvel does. And they're bringing it to a new format. And I think it's just going to be bigger and better than ever and I think this is why Marvel is so special this is what why Marvel Studios is able to do what they do and nobody not even Lucasfilm Star Wars is on the level that Marvel is when it comes to their storytelling and their fandom so I I can't wait for the next few weeks to come what we're going to get and I can't wait to see people's reactions to what we get in this episode because it is a doozy there's a lot that comes at you and there's definitely a few major bombs that come in this episode that I think people are really going to enjoy, people are really going to talk about for the week to come. So if you guys have seen this episode of WandaVision, what did you guys think about it? Again, no spoilers in these comments. If you want to talk spoilers, wait until Monday. We'll talk about it then. So just make leave your vaguest comments possible in the, the description below and leave your thoughts. I really like to know what you guys think. Again, as vaguely as possible, what you thought of this episode. No spoilers for it. So now I want to move on to some movie news that has come out over the last few weeks. Some casting news, some directing announcements, some new descriptions on some movies that are coming. And the first one that I want to talk about is the, I think a little surprise announcement, according to Hollywood Reporter, that Nomadland and Eternals director Chloe Zhao is jumping on board to Universal in their new MonsterVerse for to direct and write and produce a Dracula movie. And this is coming over from the, uh, the Hollywood Reporter, and this is what they had to say about the details of what the film could entail. So they're saying, details are being kept in the coffin, but Zhao's version of is described as an original futuristic sci-fi western, themes of being on society's fringes, something Zhao has tackled in her previous work, will course through the project's veins. And for me, that, that gets me really excited for what we could get with a Dracula movie. I Having it being kind of like a sci-fi western set in the future sounds something completely new and original. And I love what Universal is doing with their MonsterVerse right now. I mean, you can just go back to last year around this time uh, time period a year ago when we had The Invisible Man with Lee Winnell and he kind of pushed through this new MonsterVerse where it's very centered on an artistic version and something that is very independent, very low budget. It was only made for like five, seven million dollars. And The Invisible Man that came out last year was incredible. And it, it was a very standalone film. It dealt with a lot of societal issues that we're dealing with right now in terms of especially uh, relationship abuse, Me Too movement. It really dealt with into those themes and into those issues. And it did in a way that still made it entertaining and scary and very in the sci-fi monster verse, but somehow still made it very real 
in a way that I haven't seen before. And when you get into some of these other films like a Dracula, that's still a little hard to do. But when you have somebody in the caliber of Chloe Zhao, who just with her last two films alone, especially with Nomadland, makes very real human movies, I think she can do a really good job of, of continuing that level of filmmaking that Universal wants to capitalize on after The Invisible Man. And even with something that she's doing with the, with Eternals, it sounds like it's gonna be something that, even though it'll be a big futuristic Cosmo adventure, it could, it's gonna deal with a lot of humans that I think people can relate to of all different shapes, colors, and, and sizes, and, and and deficiencies. And I think that's what Chloe Zhao is gonna bring across in Eternals. And I'm sure that's what she's gonna try to do with this MonsterVerse as well. And. I'm really curious to see how she brings this forward, and I'm so happy that she's getting the the looks, the clearance, the, the sight that she is getting because she deserves it. She's an incredible director. I can't wait to see what she does with Nomadland, and this just continues the streak that Universal wants to continue to be on. They're making a Wolfman movie with Ryan Gosling, and and with Leah Winnell coming back, and it sounds very much like a supernatural film meets Nightcrawler in a way. And of course, you have Elizabeth Banks setting to make The Invisible Woman. You have James Wan getting into this. Paul Feig, Lord and Miller are looking to get into this realm as well. So this is definitely a very uh, filmmaker-friendly genre right now and franchise that Universal is looking to do. It seems like a lot of it's coming from Blumhouse, which is, again is very a filmmaker friendly company that loves to kind of make low budget horror thrillers that maybe not a lot of people and not a lot of studios would take risks on so i'm really excited to see what she does with this i think this will be very anticipated especially if she knocks out of the park with eternals as well and she becomes a household name in the, in the bigger sense after everything she goes through this award season with Nomadland. So I'm really excited to see what she does with this and to see her kind of go back into the Western kind of realm that she did with The Rider and a little bit with Nomadland. I think she has a pulse on that and she's gonna make this as, as a human a film as possible with the most supernatural being you could think of with the vampire himself, Dracula. So I'm really excited about this. I think this is a great match and if you want an auteur filmmaker, somebody who's a filmmaker's person, Chloe Zhao, is definitely one of those people. So I'm really excited to see what she does with this film. What do you guys think about Chloe Zhao taking over a Dracula film in this monsterverse that Universal is creating? Let me know what you think and leave your thoughts. And one of the last bit of movie news that I want to talk about is going back into the MCU and talking a little bit about Spider-Man 3. And on the Variety's Award Circuit podcast, promoting and talking about his brand new film that's coming out in just a few weeks in theaters and in about a month on Apple TV Plus in Cherry, Tom Holland talked a little bit, of course, about his big role in the upcoming Spider-Man 3, which is currently in production right now and is set to come out around the Christmas time of this year. And we don't really have a lot of details about it other than the fact that 
obviously Spider-Man will be back. Zendaya will be there. It seems like the, the regular cast and crew of the last few Spider-Man films are going to be in this movie. And alongside uh, Benedict Cumberbatch coming in as Stephen Strange. And maybe if all rumors and trade reports are to be believed is that we're going to get potentially Doc Ock. Alfred Molina will be coming back from the Tobey Maguire films and Jamie Foxx from the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films in this movie and potentially kind of creating a Spider-Verse in a way, which we could see maybe Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire pop up as Spider-Man joining alongside Tom Holland. Again, none of that has been confirmed, but those are the rumors. And in speaking to... Oh, the Variety's award circuit with Clayton Davis, who, again, I highly recommend all the stuff that he does on Variety when it comes to award season. He's just been killing it since around October, November when he started working there. He's just been absolutely doing an amazing job. So I recommend going over to the podcast and to the website of Variety to check out all of his amazing stuff. And when when he talked to Tom Holland, he Tom Holland kind of described what this movie was going to be a little bit again not trying to go into any spoilers which Tom Holland is famously known for doing when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe but it seems like he has learned over the years and the only thing he really gave about this movie is the fact that this is according to him the most ambitious solo film he's ever been a part of which for him is saying something because this is the guy who got really his career off the ground with Spider, uh, not Spider-Man, but Captain America Civil War. And that was technically a Captain America solo movie. And then he was in his own solo film and two solo films. And he was in two of the highest grossing films of all time with Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. So for him to say that this is the most ambitious solo superhero film he's ever been a part of is saying something. And I think it gives credence to what the rumors are are coming about and he wouldn't say if Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire are a part of it he said that I haven't heard anything from Marvel about it so those rumors are still up in the air but I definitely think there is a a credence to that and and again going to WandaVision without giving any spoilers if this past weekend's week's episode is anything to give credit for and what we've heard that WandaVision will connect to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and that WandaVision and Doctor Strange will connect to Spider-Man 3 I think we could be getting some kind of multiverse with Spider-Man 3 in some way, shape, or form, and we still gotta deal with the fallout of the mid credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home when Mysterio outed Peter Parker as Spider-Man, so we still gotta kinda deal with that. We've never seen that in the comics, at least to my recollection, we haven't seen that in the movie, so that's new terrain we've never seen before with Spider-Man, so there's all this different movement happening with this movie, and it seems like it's gonna have a really big impact on the Marvel Cinematic Universe to come with this movie, so I'm really excited to see what what Marvel has up their sleeves. I'm happy for Tom Holland and the fact that it seemed like he's learned his lesson from spoiling a whole bunch of stuff that that has come out with this with, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which again, some of it I think it was coordinated, but some of it I do think he let slip out a, a few tidbits here and there, especially when it came to Avengers: Infinity War. So I definitely am excited for this. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for this movie. And the fact that Spider-Man 3 is 
gonna be a doozy it sounds like and I'm really excited for that I'm really excited for people to check out this episode of WandaVision because I think when you hear these comments and you see this episode you could get, get start to get an indication of what's to come in the Marvel Cinematic Universe's future so a lot of exciting stuff happening over at Marvel a lot of exciting stuff happening over uh, in the movie world in general and this weekend actually it's going to be a very exciting time for the, the country really and obviously in this pandemic that we're living in right now there's not a whole lot to look forward to we always try to find the silver linings and one of the big silver linings that's always a tradition on in early february every single year is of course the big game the super bowl is happening this Sunday, Super Bowl 55, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And when you look on on paper on this matchup, it is a, a phenomenal matchup on paper. This could be, in terms of hype, this could be one of the biggest promotional Super Bowls you could ever imagine. Again, Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes, the, the goat against the kid, which is what you call a little baby goat. So there's a whole lot of marketing that could happen with this Super Bowl. And again, I'm somebody that loves the, the game itself. And I know this isn't a sports podcast, so I'm not going to get in too big into it, but I will give my pick in a little bit. But but I also know that people look forward to things other than the, the actual game itself. And, and I'm one of those people that love watching the game. But again, this isn't a sports podcast. So I'm not going to get into it. But there are some other entertaining values to the big game, including the commercials, which I've seen a few already on YouTube. They seem to be funny and enjoyable. And we're not going to get a lot of the big corporations like, like Bob Bush, or we're not going to get Coke or Pepsi. But there are some fun ones that have been kind of coming out. We have a there was a, a Cheetos one that was interesting with Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. That there was one with, with Will Ferrell that I thought was pretty pretty amusing that I think people will get a kick out of. So there could be a few that might turn into a highlight. The, the, the commercials over the years have kind of taken a little bit of a dive. When I was younger, you had the Doritos commercials that were so funny, but it's just it's not that way right now. And and I think there's going to be a lot of messaging because with the pandemic and then social issues that I think a lot of these commercials are going to look to to capitalize on this year, especially when you only have uh, a th- 30 seconds sometimes to, to condense all that information into 30 seconds, especially when a spot costs about five and a half million this year. And if you want a minute long, it's sometimes that'll cost you $10 million to put to have airtime on the big game. So I think people will be looking forward to the commercials and obviously people are going to be looking forward to the Super Bowl halftime show and what the weekend is going to bring. He said in a press conference yesterday that he's going to keep this one pretty PG for what his concerts usually bring and what his messaging is on this latest album. But but I think for the weekend, he, he's a tremendous choice. I think he can bring the house down and I'm really curious to see what they they do with this with this halftime show because they're only going to have 22,000 people in the stadium that's what do you think of his football stadium it's that's pretty spread out so there's not going to be a whole lot of people in that stadium that will be around there it is great to see that there's going to be around 7500 Healthcare workers are going to be honored there, which is tremendous after everything they've done for this country with the the pandemic. So it'd be a great way to honor them. But I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does around the stadium, how he utilizes not just the field, but the empty stadium to his effect to make it more of a personal experience for people that are watching at home. And he said just as much that it's going to be more of a cinematic virtuoso kind of style of halftime show where 
It'll be very intimate. And I think he's the kind of person that can pull that off while still being energetic, having a great time, has a great music catalog that can get people kind of dancing, having fun, and being entertained for 15 minutes. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what the, the, the Super Bowl, Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show is going to be. And of course, the, the other big thing that for the concerns of this podcast, I think people could be looking forward to is the Super Bowl, not Super Bowl commercials, but the Super Bowl movie slash TV commercials that could be coming this year. And over the, over the years, a lot of studios have kind of pulled back on airing Super Bowl ads because in the day of digital technology, you can really just kind of drop a, a, a trailer on Twitter or on YouTube and, and, and announce it on social media and still get the same kind of hits that you would at the big game. But sometimes studios will put out some additional spots for their big films. They only do 30 seconds and if they want to release a trailer, they'll put in they'll put the full trailer online. Because again, with $5 million plus to put for a Super Bowl ad, I don't think a, a studio for one spot, if you want to put out two or three spots for a studio, are going to waste uh, put in 30, 40 million dollars on four Super Bowl spots. So I think sometimes they only put one out for their big films. We've been hearing a lot that Disney could be putting out something, especially for Disney Plus, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They have a lot of television shows that are still coming. I think based off of the success that WandaVision has had so far, that they really want to start getting out there that, hey, we have a few other shows that are coming out, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, and they could even do something for Black Widow maybe announcing a new release date for that film, which according to reports, they have said that there isn't going to be a announcement that it'll be moving to Disney Plus or some drastic change. But they, I think they want to get that film back into the consumer's heads that this film is still happening. It's still out there and they want you to get ready for it, whether it's in May or hopefully in the second half of the year when it's hopefully a lot safer to go back to the movies when everyone's vaccinated and they can air it or put it out in theaters sometime then and there, there were other reports coming out that there could be Peacock could be putting something out HBO Max and I think that's where we're going to see focus not just this year but also in the future for a lot of 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 media television spots when it comes to their streaming services because that is for a lot of studios for a lot of companies that is their main priority right now for HBO Max for Peacock Disney Plus they want to put all their stuff out there and get people to say huh you know what I definitely want to check this out or, or hey we should definitely check this show out or maybe we should get HBO Max for this and I think for HBO Max if they really are looking to push the Snyder Cut I don't know if they're putting something out this week there's been rumors that a second trailer is coming out on February 14th but maybe they put something out to kind of kickstart the final push for Zack Snyder's Justice League maybe they start putting some stuff out for Judas and the Black Messiah one last time or Maybe they put out a Suicide Squad thing. There, there could be a whole bunch of stuff that they could potentially put out there. I think Paramount is sitting out this year, which makes sense. You, you don't know. They're, they're, they are the lead studio when it comes to either pushing things back or selling off their movies so that they can make the money they can make right now and not, ha- not have to worry about putting it into theaters and losing money on the box office. So I don't think Paramount will put anything out there. I the, It sounds like you're going to definitely get something from Disney this year, but I, you could get something from Warner, Warner Bros. It sounds like Universal could put something out more towards for their Peacock 
But I think that's really all you're going to get from the Super Bowl this year. And hopefully next year when everything hopefully around this timeline is back to normal in, in almost 100% capacity, that we get back to, again, questioning of are we really going to get all these Super Bowl ads? Studios aren't going to put all their Super Bowl ads out there. But we have more of a solidified release schedule that we can anticipate maybe a Mission Impossible 8 Super Bowl spot or a Marvel Studios spot or a DC spot for the Batman or something from Warner Brothers. That, that Hopefully that's what we get next year. And so for this year, again, I think we'll get a lot of Disney stuff, especially for Disney Plus and then their Marvel properties. Uh, we could get something for HBO Max, but I think that's pretty much all we're going to get. And I heard we are going to get a Coming to America uh, spot. So definitely be on the look for that as well. So yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff to look forward to. And for my Super Bowl pick, I am going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going with Tom Brady and the GOAT. I, I wouldn't bet against the, the Kansas City Chiefs. And it seems like, again, the new kids on the block, you don't bet against them, but the old guard is still there and you never bet against Tom Brady. And I think he'll pull this one out at home. Something special he's never done before. A brand new team moving away from the dynasty of the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick, a whole new team, new coach. I just think it'll put kind of a cap end on a brilliant season for number 12 in Tampa Bay and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneer franchise. So I'm predicting Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Kansas City Chiefs in a shootout. I think this is going to be a tight game. It's going to be a lot of offense, a lot of firepower. I think it's going to kind of be like what Super Bowl 52 was, where there wasn't a whole lot of defense, but somebody will make a defensive stop at the very end. And I think that'll be against the Kansas City Chiefs offense and Tampa Bay uh, rolls this one up, uh, solidifies it, and they walk away with the Lombardi Trophy. So Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Kansas City Chiefs. I hope everyone does enjoy the Super Bowl this year, enjoys it in the best way they can, has, has a few people over again, not a whole lot, but can enjoy it with their family and some friends if you can social distance as well. But with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, and be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro? The number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to check me out on YouTube, guys. You can follow me at the Sam Bissell Podcast, where I talk to the latest directors and actors talking about all the amazing films that they have coming down the pipeline. You can also find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. And also, you can find the Sam Bissell Podcast's Facebook page at the Sam Bissell Podcast. So, guys, thank you again so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. And as always, keep on screening.